Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest, CEO and founder of Outbound View Blake. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? It's been a while. How long have we known each other now? Almost like three years? I couldn't even remember. I was going to say probably three or four years. It was pretty early in when we started our agency. We were doing a lot of consulting at that time, but yeah, it's switched obviously to a lot more outsourced now. So yeah, it's been, it's been a minute. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we, we pivoted to marketplace. I, I, I was one of those people who made friends with all the colleagues in the industry before even being, um, you know, a, a colleague versus a potential competitor at the time. Uh, we stayed boys. Yeah. Now we're, now we're here uh, and we're ready to help people not make mistakes that cost them a lot of money. Um, for the for, for people listening uh, and for you, Blake, like like a lot of people listening to the show are either going to be people who have outsourced before, had a bad experience, um, in their opinion, right, um, and didn't work before, but now they're back because you know the the other option didn't work either, um, or they are yeah. the first time trying to outsource. And the idea here is just by being transparent and talking about the things that they the mistakes that you've seen them make. And by mistakes, I was I'm not talking about mistakes where you're like not going to close them talking about mistakes where you're like, these guys are going to, they're going to end up losing money somewhere. Right. Because they're not listening to me. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like what they do ongoing that could, uh, that, that behaviors that can go away um, so that they can just come prepared and, and be better buyers. And by better buyers, I mean, make money, have an ROS or, or deliver or know that they're running a market validation campaign and they're not going to have an ROI on a nine month sales cycle in six months. Right. Uh, and then where they can find you and, yep. and, and how you can help them. Um, but before I do that, it'd be awesome to have a quick introduction, who you are and, and how you got into the wonderful business of outsourced sales to begin with. Yeah, for sure. So I started my career in inside sales and like moved up and was an account executive and did other things, but I always actually liked Booking meetings as much as I like closing, I was actually better at it. Better so at booking in at booking like, the meetings, like, like at the strategy yeah. around, you know, yeah, whatever. So, um, got into that, got into like digital marketing and some of those things. And so, there's a good mix of like if you know funnels and how things work and you understand outbounds and the fundamentals there. Um, so, I had a you know career doing that. Uh, had a small little agency, sold that agency, and then got back into it about five years ago doing inside sales consulting. And then all of our clients kept asking us to do the actual work. So we moved over and you know started doing the outsourcing work as well. So you got really good at something. You mastered it. Your clients noticed that you were so good at it that they almost made you make a product of it, and you did. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, with, uh, to me. one of the reasons that we started... Yeah, started the first business was the company I was working for got acquired by IBM and all the executives went in different directions and a bunch of them just started reaching out to me because they knew I knew. It, how it's to a lot better when you hear like, like, you know, acquisitions than this versus bankruptcy than this, right? It's a, it's a better talk. It's a better talk <laughs> yeah. track, right? It, it, it's not, it doesn't work in America, right? Like if you look at uh, the WeWork guy, it's like bankruptcy. Then I raised another billion dollars. Um, strange <laughs> stuff happening. But yeah, Blake's one of those hardworking guys who work for profitable companies that have sold versus the uh, cash flow negative guys. Um, so that 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 that's awesome. Um, talk to me about like what comes to mind. Like like what are what have you seen over the past couple of years? Yeah. Like what 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 mistakes, re repetitive mistakes, are buyers making when they approach you to select you as a vendor? 
Yeah. I mean, we, we turn down a lot more companies like, and just say this isn't a fit than actually turn into customers. There's a lot of things you can tell up front. Number one, like the number one flag is they haven't truly decided to make the investment. So like they really want to dip their toes in and they'll say things like, can we do this for two weeks? Can we do this for a month? And you have to explain to them that either there's kind of two options, fully outsource it or build a full team, right? That's one option. You're investing typically tens of thousands of dollars at a minimum or really dip your toe in it and do like email marketing. Like it's the in-between that doesn't work. Like you can't, if you have a sales cycle of six months, you can't try and outsource agency for 60 days and it just doesn't work. So number one, they're, they're usually not ready to make the investment. Then there's some just real basic ones. Like uh, if it's just a founder and there's no salespeople, they're usually in market testing mode, which is great. But a lot of times those founders think that these are going to turn into deals. So you really have to educate them up front on what's the goal here. If you have two customers and that's it, like we're in, let's get as many meetings and learn as much as possible mode. Like these aren't going to turn into an ROI in the first 30 or 60 days. So I'd say that's the second. And then the third is just the basics, crappy website. Uh, I mean, it's not like you have to have a brand to do this, but if you don't have anywhere to send people, you don't have employees, like there's no real business there, you know, throwing a bunch of outbound on top of it typically doesn't help. Yeah, this makes, all of this makes sense, right? And let's unpack the first point that you brought up, right? It's, you know, we, we, we build things called a budget, right? A forecast, a budget, right? Where we predict exactly what we're going to spend and what category and what we're going to make, right? So most companies, and if you don't, right? Like, are you really a business if you didn't predict a forecast? Probably not, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know that if you go and you look at the sales and marketing or sales and advertisement line, you're going to see 30, 40K a month for X month, maybe scaling up and it's correlations with income, right? So they do you often plan for, they should plan for it, but then they actually buy like it's not there, right? They, they have a plan that says exactly yeah. what they can spend. Instead of saying, hey, I got this budget. This is what I need. Can you do it in the budget? It's like they're negotiating a deal. And as if, as if the more they go to the flea market and they like, they like grind you down, the more money goes back into the bucket, right? Um, and that's like, that's like yeah. uh, not true. And that's just not how the world works, right? Um, and we wish it did, but it doesn't yeah. work like that. So it's interesting you say that because even when you go to a company, if you look at a series A company or seed round, like the talk track of raising money is you give me X, I burn negative, you get paid back, higher multiplier in 10 to 15 years, right? And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, yep. there's this weird tendency to want an ROS return on sales on income, I spend a dollar, get two back. But they're telling investors, give me a million dollars because I'm gonna make you 100 million in the future, right? And then they're trying to not actually build their team. And, and I guess my question is to you, is this ignorance or, or like, like, is it that the CFO isn't sharing this with the VP of sales? Is it that like the people doing the buying just don't even have the training, the experience to understand a budget and to understand the program? Like, where is it coming from? Yeah. We see it a lot when you get somebody who's worked at a big company and goes to a smaller company, which you know, they're used to having semi, not unlimited budgets, but you can constantly pull money from different places. And when you're a 20 person startup, like that's typically not the case unless you've raised a, a ton of cash. 
So I think I think most people just don't understand. I mean, not only just sales broadly, but like calculations, like that what they do can be put in a spreadsheet and they can start to predict it. It's a lot of like art versus versus science. And so outbound is even worse than that. Like if you don't understand the overall infrastructure and you're a founder trying to do this and you've never ran a big team, then that doesn't work. But then if you add outbound on top of it, nobody knows how to do outbound correctly. I mean, very few VPs of sales know how to do outbound. So then we get a lot of questions like, look, we get inbound leads and they convert like X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, well, there's very few programs where you can run outbound where we'll convert at the same level of inbound. So like set your expectations correctly. So it's just constant expectation setting, mostly because they just don't understand fundamentally how it works. It's like, okay, you're setting 10 meetings a month. Well, one or two of them are no-showing. Uh, a couple you know, may reschedule. You have good meetings with 30% of them. Those move to the next step. Like how good are your account executives at moving people through the flow? Like through the sales pipeline when it's outbound is way different than I got a lead they want to buy. Now I can convert them quicker. Like it's just, it's a whole different, you know, it's a whole different animal. And I think it's just- Well, it's a whole different animal. And, and, what, and I agree with everything you're saying, right? There's a lack of understanding of the financial plan, a lack of understanding of what's really happening under the skin of outbound. It's as if they're measuring meeting and revenue, but they're not really aware of views, clicks, you know, awareness, consideration, right? Who downloaded your, it's like, this doesn't count. If you're an SEO and you're a marketer, this is all yeah. I talk about. I don't talk about the RI. Here, you're here. Right? Uh, does outbound generate inbound? Of course it does. If you send someone a call, email, LinkedIn, they will click yeah. something, they don't take action, they're a freaking inbound lead, right? So, but like yep. one of the other things that comes to mind is that the whole concept of first principles, right? Like it's almost as if leaders can't put themselves in the shoes of how they actually buy. Because there's nobody, I'm sure, that talks to you right. who receives calls, receives emails, just jumps right into a buyer cycle, right? Unless they're about to find something else and they're like, thank God you brought this to me. It's 50% cheaper than I was about to buy. And they know it, right? And all the features, right? So it's like, yep. why do they also lack the ability to put themselves in the shoes of the people they're calling? Why is it like, hey, me, the VP of sales, CEO, right? I behave this way as a buyer. But now, now that I am a seller, I expect the buyers to operate differently than I do myself. What causes that? Do you yeah, agree like with VPs that, right? Like if, you, if you don't agree with that, we'll talk about that too. Completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it's like VPs of sales are the worst with no-shows. You know, it's like, do, just email the person, let them know you're not going to show up. Like, we understand you're busy, but this happens to your sales team and it affects your, you know, your revenue or, or your dollars. So, yeah, I, I think there's a couple different things there. I mean, we talk about, and I don't even know where this stat came from, but that, 3% of your market is buying at any time. So what's the point of the campaign? Like, is the point when we're initially launching to go find that 3% or are we going to nurture these people over time? Like, what exactly are we we trying to do? And, you know, that, that helps them at least understand that not everybody that we reach out to, you know, is, is going to take a meeting, number one. Like, if you're booking at 3 to 4%, you're doing an amazing job. So once you kind of walk them I through think, the I math, think Americans don't like I, don't, I think Americans don't like sense. data, right? That's why everyone gets married, even though it's fifty percent marriage rate. Like you're just walking into <laughs> let's ignore the data. I gotta throw that one in there because it's kind of funny. Um but <laughs> like it, the data's there, right? At the end of the day, they're just kind of yeah. ignoring it and it, it hurts themselves and it hurts the sellers 
and it holster buyers because now they're trying to force buyers to recycle. There's no really measurement of, of bad sales calls, bad emails, right? Pressuring people when they're not ready. I've told yeah. people, call me back in six months. I'll be ready then. And then they follow up with me multiple times and I yeah. block them and I'll never buy from them again. And it's because yeah. their leadership is just yeah. looking for a KPI. They're not measuring the effect of brand yeah. awareness. Who knows my brand? Who's visiting my website? Um, super interesting. And then, so, so, so that's definitely something I see happening at the same time. Uh, the second point you, you mentioned was, was about um, just like missing meetings. So that's more of like an ongoing thing, right? Like now, you know, they don't understand outbound sales. They're already unhappy. If your expectations, straight off the bat, right, are I want an ROI on a nine-month sales cycle in six months and you have no rent recognition, you're just, you're going, you're starting off like unhappy, like you're done, yeah. you know what I mean? So like, it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's like, you're, you're trying to get a buyer to be in this green zone with the understanding, but now they're like, oh, they're, they're hiring you, but they're, they're, they're in the red zone, right? They're like already in the danger zone because like month one starts, they're like, where's my ROI? You're like, we just started, right? You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah. then, and then yeah. they're, and then they're, they're like one step on the figure to, to, to fire an agency, but like nobody talks about what happens when an agency gets fired. You fire an agency, you're gonna take another three months to hire another agency or build a human chart. Your pipeline's done. Yeah, you need they need to it's like a backwards thing, right? Like if you need a million dollars in revenue and you have a nine month sales cycle, that actually means that you need more reach, more frequency in the beginning tapered down to, to meet it. Right. But they yeah. try to come in with less risk. Right. Like you mentioned. So yeah. Fundamentally, if you look at science, you would say that it doesn't make sense. Right. Like they're telling you everything. They're going to be like nine month sales cycle. Right. We need to hit this goal. And you're like, OK, great. You need to you need to start actually bigger. Right. Because you got 12 months to get them in. You know what I mean? but they come the exact opposite. Uh, yep. Once again, is that a symptom of, what is that, a, like what's causing that? Because these, like, a lot of these leaders are smart, they're building billion dollar, they're building huge companies, they, they've gone to MIT, they, got, they go to Princeton, they go to Harvard, they go to stuff. Is it just like the culture of get rich quick? Well, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's, you know, we talk about like sales leaders, the average 10 years, a year and a half. So they're just trying to get as much done as quick as possible and still have a job. Um, and so I think they just don't make decisions that make sense for the, for the long term. Uh, and they need immediate results. Uh, and so, you know, I think it just, it's, no, it's expectation setting like with us and an expectation setting for them with their board or their CEO or whoever else, like everybody's working off of the wrong. It trickles you know, down, a, right? A, a different level of expectations. Yeah. What, what can actually be done? Yeah, like if your plan is to go to Mars and it's going to cost two billion dollars, and you're working off a half million dollar, a five hundred million dollar budget, you're just you're done. You're going to blow up in the sky. You're going to you're going to blow up sure. five years, ten years, but you're going to blow up, right? But just fundamentally, it's like yeah. building a building a house on a, a landslide spot. And I make sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it's probably also a prescription of the fact that like all the tools that have been built out are all about like reach and frequency at high rates. There's nothing like go to market and actually plan. You know what I mean? Like people don't even come to us with like a plan on a napkin, right? Like, and I pull out oftentimes the ROI calculations. They, they don't even care. They want to look at it. And it's because of what you just mentioned. They don't yeah. care. Right? Like uh, 18 months, yeah. like I, kids, I got just... kids to feed. I, my, my bills in America are a quarter million dollars. I got three, I got a wife, I got private school. And like, I'm looking for the next job. And like, I see that all the time and, 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 it, and, it, and it definitely hurts people. So any advice to buyers who, who um, are going to come see you? Like, like, what would you say to them? Like, like to kind of like, help them understand like, Hey, like this is, he, this is a short-term thing. And like, you no. Know. 
Yep. It's, you know, when we can get like the VP of sales and the VP of marketing on at the same time, or you can, as long, like one of the things we see is we get siloed, like marketing reaches out and now we're only dealing with marketing, but we don't get to talk to sales or sales reaches out. It's like when you start to go down one silo, you have no idea what the other silo is, you know, is thinking and just having everybody on the same page before you move forward. Like that leads to tenure for us. Like we don't make very much money in the first couple months of a contract. Like we make, we make money for keeping, you know, by keeping them around for a year. You know, you know, you know, making sure that everyone agrees. Like they're not thinking like that man (laughs) over your right shoulder. That is correct. Yeah, there is no long, long-term thinking at all. There's nothing like Mr. Warren Buffett, right? Time in the market cures all. Um, and, and time in business development cures all. If it's done the right way, right? There's a difference between if it's, being yeah. locked in a long-term agreement or like, like, like it just ain't working. Like there's like, it's definitely no hope um, versus keep it like braces, right? Yeah. Like you wear braces, you don't get instant results. It's the constant pressure on your teeth that put them straight, right? So it's like, you know, yeah. um, what do you think the right, let's just talk about like, I, I, you don't do contracts, you do contracts. I know, and I'll call it out right now, that when we were a service company, our happiest clients were in 12-month contracts. They, they, they visited us, they flew down, they treated the team like they were their team, and they got what they wanted, right? Um, I did also yep. let people out of contracts, even if they were signed up, if they had no market validation, no market fit, because it's no point, it's not fun for an SDR. He's, he's like, is that going anywhere? Yeah. Um, what is the optimal and now it's a trick question because depending on where you are and what leads you're working on um it's different but uh what's like the sweet spot where you're like clients who last four or five six months are happy clients that are for a year they get an roi and roi what's what's that sweet spot i mean we talk about just getting to break even as fast as possible with all of our clients so it's like a mix of let's go you know whale hunting for really big clients, let's mix in some smaller ones is kind of the goal is just to get them to break even as fast as possible, number one. But if you're not going to give it at least three months, you know, you should see an uptick between months one and two and three. Like it could, sh- it should keep going up. But if you're not going to give it that amount of time, just spend the money yeah. elsewhere. Like go go do paid advertising or spend it on something else. Like it's really tough to get a lot done unless you have a like one call close type of type of business or, or extremely transactional business to or tell you connect three percent you just yeah. said it right that's a needle in the haystack right yeah i'm not exactly you're yeah. there one but three yeah. percent still pretty low i'm like right you know what i mean like unless they're giving you the data here's the three here's the three percent sure. who's buying we bought we spent millions of dollars on 10 data right and we kind of that's not even a, a home run right um this is all super valuable. Yeah. I know it's going to be yeah. more valuable is my next question, because what I know about you is that you as a leader have really niched down. You've really focused on uh, a persona. And uh, this is going to be easy for you to answer because you've done a really good job at this. But you can only pick one service, software, who you're picking, your customer, your buyer. Oh, boy. That's, I mean, Software is typically easier. Like selling services, okay. And you don't have to make a little bit This is like I, I made you choose one. Yeah. So if you have, you got, you, you got <laughs> one light jacket and, and two kids, you're giving it to the software company. I, I hesitated because some service businesses are so easy to do outbound for. Like they're just so easy because most services businesses aren't good at outbound, and software businesses they're a little bit more. They have more money behind them. 
Yeah. Um, the purpose you know, of the podcast is to add three percent, three percent to listen and identify you. Yep. So that's why I'm doing it to you. Am I, yeah, exactly. I, 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 and uh, no <laughs> wrong answer. Um, tell me about this is not your question. What industry? Right. I think this is where you guys focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're we're 100 percent focused on companies who sell into HR. So. That's where I started. You know, I mentioned inside sales. That's where I started. That's where all of our clients have mostly been. And then we made the switch a couple of years ago to just focus specifically on companies who sell to HR. So training, recruiting, performance management, assessments, like all of that stuff. Like we just know the people, know the personas, have our own proprietary database. Like if you sell to HR, you know, we could be pretty much any agency at, at that Oh, and I know. And that's why, that's why we always try to bring you those people. It's very easy. It's not that hard to say uh, you're selling HR personas, uh, meet, meet yeah. up on view. The, look at your website. Uh, it, it, it only speaks to it. So he also hinted, guys, anybody listening, um, by being so niched, Blake has built such high quality intent data on those personas that he's also built a data company. Uh, that's a la carte. So correct me if I'm wrong. Separate from. So it's like you yeah. basically built your own oil field refinery to support your business. And yep. that's a sign of niching down and focusing where it's like, oh my God, all this work we did is a business by itself. You put the two together and what did you say? You could pretty much beat most agency. The cool part is anybody listening, he doesn't yeah. need to. Two plus two equals four, two plus five equals seven, right? You, 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 when you're in the game of sales, it's not about beating, right? That's the whole concept. I'm gonna work with an outsource company and then do internal. Why not just add internal to your outsourcing? Why not outsource, yeah. add internal, add another outsource, add more internal? Because you know what? What you're going to yep. start realizing is that that's how math works, right? Um, and then you're going to yeah. miss your forecast because you didn't buy that way. And the idea for us on this call is that you understand that in the game of sales, if you hit 1 million your first year revenue, you might have to open up $10 million of pipeline. If you want to hit 5 million, that 10 million now might be 100 million. You think you're going to hit 100 million if you yep. fired the agency thinking you're saving money, hiring internally, now fire them? No. You have a chance if you're adding building blocks like Legos, right? Now you have it. Yeah, 50% of our clients have an internal team. Like they use us to test, to do other things. We do different channels than them. So yeah, com completely. Another question. Um, what's the difference between in internal and external? Uh, it, in what capacity? Give me more in the, context. In the, in the, I am a company, I have an internal team, and I have an external team. What is the, the real, what's the real, oh, what's sorry, the real sorry. difference? Yeah, uh, usually scale. So like external, we don't have to go to all your manager meetings. You know, like 25% of their schedule isn't. Like our inside sales people have high quality data. People help them with like, just the operations are so much better typically with externally because they have to be to make the business. Great work. answer. Honest um, answer. It's the exact opposite approach. It is perceived that external is less quality, lower down the food line and first to go. Why? I think it's just it, any external spends easier than get rid of, getting rid of your internal. And I think they can make, they can send an email and end a relationship you know, if they're not in contract and internal, it just gets messy. You have HR, you got to fire them. We have this, we have that. And so I think they, they make the easy decision, even though most external agencies will do, you know, just circles around most internal teams. This is all good answers, um, you know, and, but it's not how buyers behave. 
buyers behave much differently. Buyers behave as if one SDR internal is the same cost as one external for an external that's supported by a whole team. Buyers behave like it's somehow lower quality. Buyers, it's so interesting that the reality is actually the exact opposite of how people act and behave, right? Um, do yeah. you think that's going to change anytime soon? I, I honestly don't. I think there are there are reasons to have an internal team. If you can build an internal team the right way, you should. I think there's always room for external teams, though, as a part of that, like that mix you just mentioned. The problem is, I don't know, I'm going to take a guess here. 90% of internal teams are managed poorly, would be my guess. It's like It's really, really tough to find inside sales managers that have business acumen, can lead a team, and also will be in that position and don't want to be a VP of sales or do something else. So it's just, it's so rare to see internal teams managed well, but it's a, you know, companies consider it a sunk cost. Like they don't, they don't look at the details behind what's happening with their internal team like they do external teams. So I don't see it changing, uh, changing anytime soon. There's a lot more people doing external now than when we started three years yeah. ago. I mean, it's a little bit more of the norm. So I, I, think I think it will it change. I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I think it will change. I think yeah. remote, right? Because the biggest difference is that everyone's in the office, right? So internal in the office, Blake's at, his, Blake's at his office, he's external. But now if you show up to meeting on time, you deliver it on time, like ah, I, I think, I think unless, you know, you share an identical clone of my DNA, I would consider everybody external because they are. I'm like, you know, it's it just how it is, right? So it's like, yeah, it, 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 you, you focus on, you spend money on something, you expect it done, right? Um, if that's your, yep. if you're, you're your little brother mowing the lawn or a gardener, what matters is that you paid money in the, in the lawn was mowed. I, I think people had an obsession with internal and external outsourcing because of a lot of job loss to industrial um, providers like China and India from the 70s, 60s and 50s. They fail to forget yeah. that actually most call centers are in America. There's so many call centers in America. You know what I mean? Like, like they, it's like this whole blindness where it's like they just kind of think it, it, it's like a political tool, right? And I think I think those borders are going down. And I think that you know leaders like yourself will be able to help people get to the next level so they can, they can reinvest their their money well spent. Because the idea here is like you know you want an internal team, great. Like plenty of accounting executives to hire. Get your coaching from ten percent. Get your closing from ten to twenty percent, right? There's not like a lack of work to do on your way to 100 million in revenue, right? You have plenty of things to do. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, you know, Blake, I, I love your focus. And like for me, um, it's, it's, it's really good seeing it because it, 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 I know competently that if you are working in the same space, by same space, selling to the same points for years, you just have a competitive advantage on 99% um, of people out there, whether they would like to admit it, right? Um, for those people yep. who are selling to HR leaders or HR related, uh, space, how can they find you? How can they set up a call? Where, where can they, where can they digest your yep. content and learn more about you and outbound view and all the awesome stuff you guys do? Yeah, you can go to outboundview.com is the easiest. You can find me on LinkedIn. If I can manage through like the LinkedIn inbox and, you know, catch the message outboundview.com is probably an easier place. And then. We have a weekly newsletter called Prospecting to HR that we I send it. out. Why well, I like um, the newsletter? And you can you can 
you, you can get to that. It's basically just tips on how to prospect HR. It's not a, you know, not a fancy name, but you can get that through our data company site, which is talentview.co. Um, so yeah, the, you can find me online. It's pretty easy. Dude, you, you, you are easy to reach. You're super helpful. I want in the newsletter. Um, everybody who, who tuned in today, uh, this is Blake Johnson, Transform Sales, signing off. Appreciate you guys for, for listening in. Blake, thank you for uh, contributing as always, man. Take care.